0: your Bibles or your devices and open up with me to Psalm 73 surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart but as for me my feet had almost slipped I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked they have no struggles their bodies are healthy and strong they are free from human from common human burdens They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, How would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground you cast them down to ruin how suddenly are they destroyed completely swept away by terrors they are like a dream when one awakes when you arise Lord you will despise them as fantasies when my heart was grieved and my spirit spirit embittered I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you yet I am always with you you hold me by my right hand you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever those who are far from you will perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you but as for me it is good to be near God I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge I will tell of all your deeds
1: It's summer, we're doing a summer of Psalms where we want to enjoy the fullness of God. I don't know about you but as I watched that video just then, it's summer isn't it? But outside I don't exactly know whether I'd want to be at the beach today in the rain. But hey, it's a wonderful picture of summer and we want to have this wonderful picture of who God is. And so we're going to continue our series in the book of Psalms and we're looking at Psalm 73 today. So grab your Bibles, have it open there um, as we look at a wonderful Psalm today for us. But also it's great to be here welcome it's wonderful to be here in person welcome to those who are online um it's it's great that we're growing in number but also it's really good for us to be aware of you know many of our congregation over the coming weeks and months are going to be in isolation others are going to have covid <coughs> and so it's sort of going to be a little bit different here for the next couple of weeks and the next month but please let's be praying for one another let's continue to love one another let the heart of christ overflow in us let's show the world that God sent Jesus through our love for one another so I encourage you to continue to do that over the coming weeks Why? Do you ever find yourself asking that question why? Why God? You ask God this question why God is this happening to me right now? Why? in a moment of frustration maybe it's a moment of anger maybe it's a moment of doubt and you think God why God are these things happening why are they prospering while I follow you I I live your way and yet as I look around those who who don't seem to acknowledge you as Lord or God that they seem to be just Their life is just going really, really dandy. Do you ever find yourself asking the question, why God? Or maybe you just feel like you're on that slippery step. You're just one more step away from slipping. Life, week after week, month after month, year after year, life has just been weighing down on you and you feel like you are just this close to slipping. In our house that we live in, we, it's, it's just, it, there's no carpet, it's just tiles everywhere. Which is wonderful for cleaning, but when you hop out of the pool and you walk through the house bare feet, guess what happens? I am taking every step as tentatively as I can because I feel like I am just one step away from slipping. Have you ever felt that? You feel like you're only just one step away from going I'm ready to give up one step away and you just feel like I'm, I'm going to be gone or or maybe you feel like this psalmist Asaph who's a, who's a worshiper of God he's a musician he's there in the temple and he feels like he's one step away from falling You can imagine it can't you that you feel like so overwhelmed with life that you're walking along a cliff edge along the beach and every step you take you think am I one step away from falling and slipping and sliding and then I'm gone because see This man, in verse 2, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my foothold. This man, who's a man of God, he has a moment of crisis. He's having a moment of doubt. He's having a moment where he feels like life is just about to slip away from him. He has this crisis moment and he looks at the world around him. He looks at his friends. He looks at his family. He looks at the world and work colleagues and he thinks, wow, he's become uncomfortable with this. He's having a moment of doubt. He may be even asking the question, this psalm asks the question, why does God? So why do good things happen to bad people? I'm here and the world is just going around and, and they seem to be prospering, yet I feel like the world the world is weighing down on me again and again and again. And we can feel like that maybe. Maybe you've had a crisis moment after the last year where you feel like you're about to slip. You've had your job promotion. You've been demoted from it. You've got a marriage that's in a heap. It's fallen apart. And you're thinking, you look around, you look at everyone else and think, why is their marriage, marriage flourishing and they don't even serve God? That the, the love of your life, that relationship that you want people around you seem to just be so flippant about the way they treat men and women in their relationship and yet you can find no one and you think man why God has this happened to me and it leads to a path of doubt as you look around and you think man why are these people prospering while I'm here suffering and that's what the psalmist does Did you notice that he's looking around the world in verse 4 everything's going well for them did you notice it they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. He looks around the world and he goes, You know, I, I eat the perfect diet. I don't drink coke and all those sugary drinks. I, I eat the right protein, the right carbs. I follow Jesus. And you look at those people and they just eat maccas and KFC every night, and they are prospering, and yet I'm dying of cancer why god he looks around and everything's going well for them not only is things going well for these people they're prospering but guess what they don't even care how they behave Did you notice that in verse six and seven therefore pride is their necklace they clothe themselves with violence from their callous hearts comes iniquity comes sin their evil imaginations they just don't have any limits they don't care how they act or behave or no matter the consequences of their sin But not only do they not care, God's totally irrelevant to them. Look at verse 11. Therefore, people turn to them. Sorry. In verse 11, they say, How would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Look look at verse 9, their, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. There's, God's totally irrelevant to them. We don't care. But also, isn't it annoying that they're the people who have the carefree life. They're carefree and they're full, they're fat on pride. Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amazing wealth. He looks at their behaviour and he thinks, man, I, 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 I want to be the man or the woman of, of Psalm 1 who meditates on the Word of God. I don't want to stand in the council of the wicked. I don't want to sit. I want to meditate and I, I want to walk the path of righteousness and yet these people who walk this path of wickedness, they're just prospering all the time. Psalm 2, God's got the victory but it doesn't look like it. and that's a tension I think that's been for Christians for many centuries it's been a tension for, for thousands of years for the people of God as as the people of God in Israel were cap, were taken into captivity in the sixth century BC as they were taken into captivity by Babylon in Psalm 137 it says we sat by the rivers of Babylon and there we wept the people of God who have been taken into captivity in Psalm 130 he says, we witnessed our babies being crushed upon the rocks. And we come to this city of Babylon and they're just flourishing and prospering and everything's going well for them. God, why? Do you find yourself asking that question? Why God is this happening in this year or this month or this day? Why? Why does he... Why does he ask this question of why do good things happen to bad people? Because our point is I want what they have. Do you notice that? This 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 man, this this worshipper, he he wants what they want. Have a look at verse three again. See, the root cause of this, it's I want what they have. Verse three, did you notice the four there? The four gives you the reason of why he's nearly slipping. He's slipping because I've envied them. I've envied the arrogant I, I, I want, I'm excited about what they have that's the life I want I want what they have his perspective on life has brought about doubt Because so the good things in, in, in his world view I think many of us think that good things should happen to good people not the other way around where good things happen to bad people And yet, for this person who 's a person of God, their life isn't that dandy. They 're a person of faith, and yet life isn 't going well. it 's interesting, isn't it? There's so much stuff on the Internet. there's so many books today about the 10 steps to the best happy life. There's this, there's this false theology going around that says if you 're a follower of Jesus in this life, you should have a life that 's free from sickness and should be wealth, and if you don 't have it, it 's your problem because you don 't have enough faith. Psalm 73 speaks against that this idea that good things should happen to people who are good because the real world isn't like that is it and yet Psalm 73 it's, it's, it's an honest psalm it's, it's real it's raw actually it may even be confronting for you here today to think hang on can you even talk to God like this he's talking real and raw you know in an Aussie culture maybe for you it's It's not good to be honest about how you really feel. We have a struggle to share and to be really honest about the the circumstances that we're facing right now but this man he is real and honest with God in prayer. Why God? it's a real and raw moment and I think it's a real and raw moment for all of us who follow Jesus this is a real and raw psalm that we can bring ourselves into and it's okay to be real with God about how you're feeling God why is this happening to me I'm angry you feel let down <clears throat> maybe you feel like God in this moment is really distant and, and God, you're the God of Psalm 2 who's sitting on his throne and yet I don't feel like that You know, my life was going really well everything was fitting in great i was climbing up the ladder at work i was ethical i was moral and everything that i did i did with integrity and righteousness and yet that person got that job promotion who lies and weasels their way into everything and you think man god why you think to yourself, why has that couple got so many kids and the way they treat them and abuse them and yet we are trying for kids and we cannot have them. Why, God, is this happening? Maybe for you it's that investment portfolio. You've invested in shares ethically, morally and the stock market crashes and you think, man, why me when you know, someone at work's invested pretty shrewdly and dishonestly and they have this wonderful retirement now. Why, God? Why does someone at school seem to go so well and yet they had just a rat bag? I want what they have. He's got this yearning, he's got this envy, he's excited, and I want it! You know we see it with kids don't we? We, 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 we like water ice box in our home and I think there's 24 ice come in a packet. Now 24 divided by 5 doesn't work. Someone's going to miss out. And imagine when a kid has to miss out while the two other brothers get an ice block. They're angry, they're annoyed. I want what they have. Now as parents we're very humble. We go, oh you can have it and we, you know, we do all the nice humble things. But the reality is as adults we think like kids, we just don't speak it. Do we? I just want, I want what they have. I want that career. I want that house. I want that job. I want that education. We don't, we don't spell it out but we get annoyed. Why God? why has life gone so well for them when it hasn't gone for me and he's real and raw before God because he's doubting he's having this moment where he's on the cliff edge and he thinks if I just take one more step I'm gonna fall away I'm gonna slip and he goes well I want what they have and you know what why why do I even bother then why do I bother in verses 13 to 17 I'm living for you God but why should I even bother with that now I followed you I've sought your instructions and your guidance, and yet I feel like it's not worth it. Why do they get the good life all the time while I follow you and get nothing? Because, see, Asaph's expectations of how life should be for a child of faith is different to the world that he's perceived. And our expectations of life can crush us. But have a look there at verse 13, where we see that he says, Why do I bother? Surely in vain. He's like, why do I bother? I, I, I want you to notice something. Notice the I. I have kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence all day long. I have been afflicted, and every morning I bring, every morning brings new punishments. If I'd just spoken out, I would have betrayed your children. And when I tried to understand, it just all troubled me. It's, it's, why do I bother God? Why do I bother trying to follow you? When it just seems as I look around that the wealthy get wealthier, my life gets harder, I feel like this week there's just another thing that's been just placed on my shoulders it weighs me down I think why do I bother trying to live for you God? You know as we look at at the tennis stars or we, we think about their pay packet for every minute of every day it's huge. As you look at movie actors and you think about what they have and you think man why do I bother if they've got all that? It's really interesting so there's this is insightful comment by Jim Carrey who's a famous actor very insightful comment about he says I just wish everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed so that they can see that it's not the answer. Even, even and I don't think Jim Carrey follows Jesus but he says I, I can see that it's not the answer Why do I bother? See, this psalmist, he's disorientated by life. See, the psalms are often in the psalms, we come to the psalms because we're disorientated with the world that we live in. He is disorientated because his expectations of what life should look like and how it should prosper is not happening for him. And so he is disorientated. Did you notice the I, 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 I in these early verses? See when we think about us, see he's he's turned inward. I, I, I crowds out God. It's crowded out his perspective. But then verse 17 hits. This turning point. One word in verse 17. Until until I entered the sanctuary of God then I understood their final destiny until it's a beautiful shift in the psalm until his, his, his vision has been restored he's, he's now changed his perspective on how the world looks he was disorientated but now he's been reorientated to how God and, 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 and the real picture of the world that's at hand he's got a clear lens I enjoy making things, I enjoy making things out of timber, I enjoy making things out of metal, I enjoy welding and so one of the things I did when I was a young bloke is I'd go and learn to weld and I would weld and I would weld and I would weld and when you weld, when you're joining two pieces of metal together you've got to wear a mask with this lens on it so that your eyes don't burn but what happens after an hour, after two hours of welding the lens fogs up, it gets dirty from all the fumes and all that stuff and before long you're you, you can sort of see but your vision is in impaired your vision doesn't you don't see the peripherals your your world's not as good it's it's not how it really is meant to be and so what you do is you pull the lenses out and you get some cleaning product and you clean the lens and you go back and voila it's beautiful and you could see what was really in front of you and here in this moment until I enter the sanctuary of God it's until this moment his eyes have been in his, his lens has been flipped the veil has gone he can actually see what's really going on See, the sanctuary of God in the Old Testament was really the temple of God See, the temple was where God dwelt in the Old Testament under Jesus now it's different but in the Old Testament you would go to Jerusalem you'd go to the temple to worship God it was a place where God dwelt but it was a place where you made sacrifices to God and so as Asaph would have been walking whether he lived in Jerusalem as if he was walking to Jerusalem or as he was walking in Jerusalem to the mount where the temple was he would be carrying a pigeon or a sacrifice of some sort as he was walking to the temple he is reminded of a holy God he's reminded of who God really is he's reminded of his wickedness he's reminded of the depravity of his sin that's why he's going to the temple because he needs a sacrifice And as he enters, he is humbled, because he comes before a holy God who you just can't stand before, and he realizes how sinful and wicked he really is, but how gracious God is. And in his humility, he is reminded of who God is. See, in that moment at the temple, you're reminded that God provides a way. He's reminded of the Day of Atonement. He's reminded of so many things when you come to the temple of God. And for us, as we come to the cross. It's but for the grace of God in your life that you are righteous. But for the grace of God you are one of his. But for the grace of God you would have been on exactly the same path as the wicked that leads to hell. But in God's grace through Christ you have hope now through him. You too were on the path of destruction but now you're on the path that leads to life. Asaph's circumstances didn't change but his perspective changed he sees things from God's perspective because envy, envy gets in the road of true perspective envy gets in the road of true perspective it blinds us to the reality of the world and I think that's what happens when we compare we, we compare ourselves to other people you know, we, we, we stand here and you look at the world around you as you think they're prospering but I'm not I feel like I'm about to slip and they seem to be standing up straight it's in those moments that we compare why what are we doing we're comparing our righteousness and going you know I'm 75% good but they're about 50% we have this idea sometimes that oh, I'm 75% of the way there and Jesus gets us the rest and so what we do is we look at other people who are prospering and we just think but I'm a better person I'm more righteous, I'm, I'm better and so before long we think well I'm due these things, I'm due the good life but when we come to the cross we're reminded that none of us were righteous, not even one. See Paul's argument in Romans is there's no one righteous not even one we're all wicked, we're all unrighteous we all stand before God and should be condemned for everything we've done we should be the child that's blown away because see the righteous life is the one who is for God and the wicked are those who are not for God see we, we compare but the reality is the gospel sets that straight for us because see, it's not 75% and Jesus makes up the rest a hundred percent Jesus no one is righteous not even one that's the beauty of the gospel it's not that you have to carry the extra 25% on your shoulders no no what God sees is he sees Jesus's righteousness and so as we look at a world and you feel like why God as you feel like they are prospering we are reminded at the foot of the cross that I was wicked like them and yet the only reason I can stand before you God is because of all that Jesus has done at the cross that's the good news it's not that you have to hold up 60% and God goes the rest no no Jesus has done 100% of it it's your relationship to Jesus And so when we have these crisis moments, when we have these moments of doubt where we're slipping and trying to make sense of it, we come to the foot of the cross and we remember what we once were. Because the beautiful thing of Romans chapter 8 is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means in the past, it means right now and it means in the future. There is no condemnation for you. Nothing you can do now will mean you'll be condemned because Christ has done it all. And so it's in these moments where I go, oh, I want what they have. In those moments where we go, why do I bother? We actually start to realise as we come to the cross, we realise God is not done yet. See, so God is not done yet. He, he flips as he gets to verse 17, he, his, his whole world changes. And he comes to realise that actually the wicked are the ones who are really on the slippery slope. As we come to the cross, we are reminded that they are the ones who are slipping and falling. They may be prospering now but they are sliding. Did you notice that in verse 18? Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed. Completely swept away by terrors. He, he, he recognises their real path. I thought I was slipping. But they're slipping. Now Look at verse 17. So go back to verse 18 because we're going to see that he's he sees their ultimate destruction it's he sees that they see life life to the life in the end for them is just a dream look at verse 20 they are like a dream when one awakes as you consider going i want what they have remember their life is really basically just a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. To God, there it's, as we as we challenge, we wonder and go, Why, God? Why do these things happen? As we come to the cross, we're reminded that actually, no, wow, they're the ones on the slippery slope. But then there's this, there's this repentant heart. He, he confesses his narrow vision in verses 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, see bitterness confuses rationale when we are bitter it affects how we logically think about life thanklessness covers God's grace that's why in Philippians 4 I think Paul says pray with thanksgiving verse 22 I was senseless and ignorant see he's repenting of what he was thinking I was a brute beast before you he confesses his narrow vision in you know, verse 26 my flesh and my heart may fail but god is my strength those who are far from your will perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you but as for me it is good to be near god see asaph learns god is he, he realizes god's not done yet he's not done yet he realized god is not done See Psalm 73 does a couple of things it affirms those who are in Christ it affirms us that we're not on the slippery slope and it comforts us in those moments of doubt where the world is on our shoulders in those moments where we think to ourselves God I am trying to live this righteous life I'm trying to have these and yet I feel weighed down more and more and more and they seem to prosper more and more and more it affirms us in that that it's okay. God is not done yet. See even though he felt like he's on the slippery slope God had saved him from the slippery slope. But even though it comforts us for those of us who are in the room here today if you're not a Christian if you're not a follower of Jesus it's so good that you're here today we're so thankful for that. I mean we want you to get to know Jesus more we want you to hear more about him and hear about the good news of the gospel. But Psalm 73 is actually also a warning. It's a warning of what is going to happen if you keep rejecting Jesus. You need to understand your final destination. That so-called good life that you may have built is actually a very slippery cliff edge that you are taking step by step that one day will certainly slide into an end of judgment. And so I I plead with you from Psalm 73, come to Christ today. He doesn't burden you, he actually sets you free. Trust in what Christ has done through his life, death and resurrection because God is not done yet. But also God is holding me. God is holding me in verse 23. That's our next point. God is holding me. Look at verse 23 Yet I am always with you, you hold me. See this psalmist he thought he was hanging on that's why he feels like he's on the slippery slope but he's come to realize no actually you're holding in those moments of doubt in those moments of doubt in those crisis moments of faith in those moments where you feel like things are just going so well for other people and not for you he remembered no I feel like I'm falling but actually no no God I realized the whole time you're actually just holding me have you ever felt that where you feel like the whole world is on your shoulders you feel like you're upholding your family you feel like everything's you've got to control everything so it goes well in your life you feel like you need to be the you need to be that figure for people you feel like you need to be the one who's following God so well That if you let those people down, it will all fall down around you. And yet Psalm 73 reminds us, no, 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 God is holding us. He is holding us. As he thought he was hanging on, actually God is holding him. And he learnt that God is good. Even though he is doubting, even though the wicked prosper, God has got his hand isn't that wonderful news for us as we doubt you think it's all on me when actually no no God's got you see this psalm is about a crisis of faith it's a crisis moment in his life this is a psalm about why God did these things happen but there's something so beautiful about this psalm that's amazing as well at the same time because it's more than just a crisis moment it's a psalm about God's character did you notice that In the Psalms there's often inclusios, verse 1 and verse 28 all say God is good. So he's come to realise God is good. And for us in this moment as followers of Jesus, he's got us in those crisis moments. He's got us in those moments where we feel like we're about to slide, those moments where you feel like you're about to slip and fall away and he has got you. Jesus has got you. So that you can say, I don't want what they have because Christ holds me fast. He's got me. He's got me. See, God is good. And in those moments, did you notice at the end there in verse 28, it finishes with mission. It's easy just to say, I'll tell of your deeds, all of your deeds. But through this moment of doubt through this crisis of faith through this moment where he felt that he was slipping but then he started to realize actually God has actually got hold of him he has to tell the whole world he realizes he's actually on mission for God See, we are on mission for God as well See, we're on a mission to let people know of God's goodness of his grace of his salvation See, God is good God Is on mission to make himself known and he's doing it through us. Why God? Well I want what they have I I wonder if we've all felt that and sometimes I wonder if we felt like why do I bother? See this world as we look around and we see the wicked prosper it disorientates us but Psalm 73 reorientates us to see but until the gospel for us until Jesus, now we know God's not done yet but we also know God's holding on to us. You know we will doubt, we will have crisis moments of faith, it comes along. It's not a moment where he's going to slip and fall but it's something we, we wrestle with in this, this life. But one day, you're going to guide me with your counsel and afterwards you'll take me into glory. So he knows the reality of heaven and hell. He knows the reality of the new heavens and the new earth. We'll doubt. But this psalm reorientates us to God's goodness. You know, We, we have that story of Thomas in the New Testament. Thomas, what's he known as? We call him the Doubting Thomas in John chapter 20. And often you hear people say you shouldn't be like doubting Thomas that's a misinterpretation of that passage John John chapter 20 is not there so that you feel burdened because you're doubting John chapter 20 is there because we do doubt And and Jesus he knows that and he reaches out to Thomas he reaches out his hands and he says touch my hands touch and believe we have a good god let's pray as the world spins around father as we look at the world that we live in we live in a complex world we as we live day-to-day life, there's just moments where we question and go why God do you allow this to happen? God why, why does it just appear that sometimes those who don't follow you just seem to prosper and make more? Lord in those moments we've, we've forgotten you, we've doubted you and we have these moments of crisis where we feel like we're just about to slip and fall and yet Father in your goodness you hold us, you hold us as your children. Reorientate our lives today through this psalm so that we will tell the nations of your character that you are a good and gracious God. And so Father as we, as we go out this week, Lord may we see your glory, may we see your goodness, may we see your mercy and may we go until, we can have those words of until, Lord we, we know your presence that Jesus is with us always. So help us with that Father we pray. Lord I we just pray for those who who here don't know, yet know Jesus. Lord may they see really just see the slippery slope that they're on and see that it's not about anything that they have to do but it's actually everything Christ has done and may they rest in his finished work today we pray. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.